As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you are an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. In addition, today's podcast is presented by the Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge. Galen Britt are promoting the 10th annual Mosier Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge coming up in just two weeks at Memphis International Raceway. Stay tuned for more information. And it's all that we know, it's the way Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Uh, Big Jed, I feel like I say this every week, but I feel like we've got a, we've got a good show. We've got a big show on tap. Yeah, we've got plenty to talk about this week, Luke, like always. We've got the big interview coming in with Nick Duty. He is the longtime manager of Thunder Valley Raceway Park, also a racer himself. Had a big weekend. We'll get to talk to him a little bit about that. We're going to try to sneak in another edition of Racer Confidential. That went over pretty well last week, so we'll have a fun story <laughs> probably to close out the show. We've got our regular features BT who's hot. We've got some NHRA results to talk about. We've got some big bucks bracket action to talk about, mainly from one state. But first, before we get to any of that, the IHRA Sportsman Spectacular Series had their biggest turnout of the year. Looks like their most successful event to date up in Martin, Michigan at US 131. And that, Big Jed, is where we will start today's show. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, Luke, as you mentioned, what everyone is talking about is the uh, IHRA Sportsman Spectacular at US 131 Motorsports Park in Martin, Michigan. 
as you said, they had their largest turnout of racers this season. That was really cool. Kind of a twist to the format where they allowed the mod cars to have their own race or the no box cars for, for those that don't know what mod class is. They had their own race. Uh, they had one for top as well and a street division, which is a little different for their format and um, unique to this event. They also had a Friday night golf cart race. And I guess what everyone is talking about is young Donnie Hagar just ripped the place apart. Luke. He pretty much dominated the field. He won modified, which again is no box on Friday night. Uh, in the street category, his father, Ron Hagar, which is a very successful bottom ball racer himself, for a long time, he beat Donnie in the street final on Friday night, then come back Sunday, and Donnie wins top ET, the top bulb class, and comes back and runners up in the street class on Sunday's race. So Donnie Hagar just tore the place up in all classes. He also won the Friday night golf cart race just to put a little icing on the cake. So this was IHRA Sportsman Spectacular at U.S. Donnie Hagar Motorsports Park. <laughs> that's what it sounds like, yes. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. Kudos to Donnie. That is one heck of a weekend. Two big wins. As you mentioned, the IHRA's tweaked the format a little bit, at least for this race. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be at every race, but it sounds like it went well. Rather than having a one big class with the no-box cars running separate, they broke this down into $5,000 to win top, $5,000 to win modified each day. It looks like it was well-received and, like as you said, basically dominated by one guy, one young guy, yeah. Donnie Hagar. So congrats out to him. NHRA Tour Big Jed was in Brainerd, Minnesota, the zoo. Yes, I saw some footage from the zoo. I was hoping they did that some justice. I saw some with uh, Bruno and Jaggy and Steve-O. It looked like they encapsulated <laughs> a, a fair amount of the zoo atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's say that's very well put. No, I, I, it was uh, looked like a good time all around. And Team Jed even got on the board a little bit there with a new acquisition on my team. That's really good. What'd you do, Big Jed? What'd you do? Well, Ross Laris, or it could be Laris. I, I think we've debated that. But anyway, could be Ross. Russ. It could be Ross. It could <laughs> yes. be Laris. It could be Laris. Yes. <laughs> he got the runner up in Top Dragster, uh, and he was, uh, again, a recent acquisition for Team Jed. So that was uh, really good to see. I was very, very happy to see that when I looked at the show notes as I was a little removed from results this weekend. So great job, Ross. Gotcha. The one result that really, well, a couple of results, and we'll get to them later. The one that jumped out to me from Brainerd was Super Comp winner, Don Nichols. Don is a racer from Nebraska. I would think most of our listeners would probably be more familiar with Don's brother, Frank Nichols. Frank's a multi-time Division Five champion. I think he won the All-Stars and did most of his damage in Super Street, but he's won, I think, in all the Super categories. His little brother, Don, is having a big season that had been, I don't know, somewhat off the radar, really, to this weekend. With his win at Brainerd, Don Nichols has now won the Brainerd National Event, runnered up the Topeka National Event. I believe he won the Divisional Event in Tulsa, and he was in the semis just last week at the Divisional Event in Brainerd. When you go down the points ledger, national points for Super Comp, like, 
it's not fair to say that no one wants to win because obviously everyone wants to win, but there is no one putting up an overwhelming score. And when you look down through the top 10 at this point in the season, for those of you not familiar with how the NHRA points work, every racer basically claims their best eight to make this simpler, your best eight races out of the first 14 that you attend, combination of national event and divisional races. So at this point in the year, as you go down the top 10, everyone's at least been to the eight, you know, been to the minimum. They've all got their show up points on the board until you get down to 10th. 10th now today is Don Nichols. Don Nichols hasn't been to eight. Don Nichols hasn't been to seven. Don Nichols is sitting in 10th spot with six races claimed in a year that it looks wide open in Supercomp. And it seems like every week I say someone different is the title favorite. I'm not going to go that far yet for Don Nichols, simply because logistically, I ain't real sure where he gets the rest of his races. But if he gets on his horse and, and makes a few trips, his hat is definitely in the ring for this year's NHRA Supercomp World Championship, again, based largely on the strength of his Supercomp win this weekend. There's another guy, Big Jet, that bolstered his title hopes this weekend, yes. really over the course of the last two weeks, at that same facility, Brainerd International Raceway, home of the zoo in Brainerd, Minnesota. And that is the subject of this week's BTE, Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BT and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at bteracing.com. Luke, we got us hot driver, and this guy, holy smokes, he is on fire. I mean, really he is. Yeah, this one will come as no surprise to those of you that have been listening to the podcast for the last, I don't know, month. Jared Loebner. Jared Loebner wins top sportsman. That's not a broken record. J.R. Loebner did win top sportsman last weekend <laughs> at the um, NHRA divisional event in Brainerd. He followed that up, ran the table of the two weeks in Brainerd. I believe that's 10 consecutive round wins. That in and of itself, impressive enough back-to-back wins in a very difficult, highly contested category. It's also his fourth win in his last five events. It also catapulted him into the national points lead. Just as a quick recap, Jed, when we did our NHRA redraft, when was that? That was sometime early July, right? Yeah, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Nobody picked up JR. And in my defense, JR was on my big board. Obviously, he was a little ways down, right? But he was on the board. At that point, <laughs> JR had won the divisional event in Denver. I think he was just coming off of that win. And he had, I think, three other races where he had not advanced out of second round. And you knew, like, he's only been to four races. The Division Five schedule's coming up. Like, there is potential there. But I had him listed as a long shot. And I don't know if you remember, Big Jed, but like your last top sportsman pick, you're like, I'm going to go a little bit down the list here. And I'm like, are you going to Kansas? I asked you that. And you said no. So I shut up because I didn't want you to like steal that pick, whatever. It was the last pick. Like I couldn't pick JR, but that's what I had in mind. Again, not that he was really on the radar at that point, more for the respect that you and I both have as for JR as a, as a driver. So at any rate, he wasn't on the radar. Like, just over a month ago. 
Yeah, okay. we both know how talented Jr. is, and he's so talented. I think I kicked him off my team last year. I, I believe I took him in the first draft, and then he didn't get to go to a lot of races. And I don't think it was a performance thing. I just think he wasn't able to get to a lot of them last year. And you don't and have to, to sugarcoat it, Jed. You get complete. In the redraft, I kicked him out, and obviously he has me to thank for the success there it is motivation i I motivated the guy to just go out and show how great he is i knew how great he was but i couldn't get it out of him myself uh, you know as a team effort so but really all kidding aside luke i mean very very impressive jr lobner by the way not junior lobner not jr lobner it's jr lobner and you did it right you said it right and people need to get that right but it's taken me a couple years it's not not russ laris This guy or, uh, or Mike Boner, which is Boehner. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. JR just performing at a super high level in a very difficult category. We talked about it as we've been talking about him recently. Like me, I'd be white knuckled when I let go. I mean, the guy's going 200 mile per hour in a door car and he's just doing it over and over, repeating well and making good laps, which is hard enough to do in itself. And then getting a win so often just great performance yeah to recap like just over a month ago barely on the radar when he won one of the two divisionals at topeka i came on the podcast and said watch out for jr that's a dark horse title contender could make a run right that was three weeks ago yeah wins so. brainerd last week and we go "Ooh, look at jr here he comes now wins brainerd again he's the national points leader he's in the best shape of anyone I'm not ready to put him in Paul Nero or Justin Lamb category just yet. It's not over, <laughs> right? And here's why. JR's been to three national events. So he's got, in top sports, and you only get to go to five. You get to claim your best three out of five. So he's got two remaining. The schedule becomes a little bit difficult at this point because top sportsman is not contested at every national event. So he can go to St. Louis. He could go to Dallas. He could go to Charlotte. Last I, text Charlotte, last I checked, Charlotte is not close to Kansas. That's <laughs> no, a haul. But they're right. not afraid. Like They will get on the road. The issue, more so uh, at a national event, a points meet, is that JR's got a 750 top sportsman car. Now, as someone that's been fast in a buggy, like I can tell you, that's fast. In top sportsman terms, it's not that fast. So if there's a full field at any of these national events, JR's hesitant to go, I would assume, because he may not even be able to qualify. So he's going to be watching the entry lists, watching it fill up. Like It may necessitate a trip to Charlotte, and, and it may necessitate a different race car. You know what I mean? Who knows at this point? So... Just for that reason, he's indefinitely the best position, but where he's got the most ground to make up or the most room to improve, I should say, is at those two national events. And again, that could be a little bit troublesome just because there's so few of them remaining. And if the fields are full, could put him a little bit between a rock and a hard hard spot. And there are a lot of competitors grouped in there pretty close that are going to contend for that top sportsman title. So JR looks really strong. I think he's the favorite. It's not quite over. And a quick shout out, like crew chief of the year, Larry Zebra. Dude, Zabes, getting it done and letting us all share in it on Facebook, social media, like the dude, if you've never been around Larry, like shout out Larry Zebra. That's all I got to say. Awesome. <laughs> awesome guy. I've been around Larry, very quiet, but uh, man, 
doing a great job as the crew chief and shout out to him as well in a year where we seem to talk about people racing unique vehicles larry's a pinto guy so it's even more of a shout out to you when you race a pinto and crew chief the current national points leader and top sportsman you deserve plenty of recognition so great job jr great job larry larry's it is the officially now we'll get to this later in the show too it is the year of the chevette slash t1000 it's the year of that body style it's on you larry 2019 the year of the pinto come on (laughs) come on back larry yeah a little more nhra action from both coasts brainerd's right in the middle east coast division one cecil county west coast division six pacific raceways up in seattle let's start in maryland this was a race that actually got rained out sunday they had to finish it up monday the story here was the sawyer family super gas big mike with the win over his father ray former nhra world champion yeah mark put here in the show notes as if i needed a reminder that big mike was formerly a member of team luke he got the boot and of course at when he got the boot and he's been in two finals since so (laughs) way to go mike nice work but they were two of three That's Mike and Ray Sawyer, two of three Sawyers in the final round. Mike's brother, Brian, was also the runner-up in the 1090 category in Super Street. So congrats to the Sawyer family on a huge showing out there at uh, Cecil County. Yeah, huge outing there for the Sawyer family. And uh, another interesting note, Luke, was uh, Taylor Iacono won Super Street. That was a big weekend for the family. Her aunt, Jackie Frick, won the top alcohol dragster in Brainerd. So that was a, a nice family weekend for them as well. Yeah, bringing two Wallys home, a big one and a little sister. So nice work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we said Division 6 out at Pacific Raceways. My man Jody Lang with the win in Superstock. Jody Lang is Team Luke. Unfortunately, Jody Lang is Team Luke in Stock, where I did not see his name on the results sheet. So way to go, Jody. Sort of. Justin Lamb was not in a – this is news in itself. Justin Lamb went to Seattle, was not in the final round. He lost in the semis of Stock Eliminator. Actually had a was dispatched early in Super Stock, but the semi in Stock just continues to make his push – uh, again, I think he's the odds-on favorite to win the championship in Superstock. If he puts together a few races like this, semis, runner-ups, wins in Stock Eliminator, we could have a repeat of 2017 on our hands. Justin Lamb is absolutely in contention for the Stock World Championship. Again, if he went back-to-back on the double, what kind of story would that be? Yeah, and Luke, uh, real quick, I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure you did, but uh, thoughts and prayers to Scott Burton. Uh, Scott it's, was involved uh, in, in an accident out there at uh, in Seattle. I didn't really see exactly what happened, but it looked like some fluid might have gotten down or somewhere down around the finish line, and he got in it and put his car in the wall. That's a very well-known race team. Him and that race car have done a lot together, and Hopefully, uh, Scott recovers quickly. I think he is okay physically. A little beat up. Cars beat up pretty good, but hopefully they get back out real soon. Uh, and one other uh, result. Justin Lamb, by the way, part of Team Kevin. I don't even know if we should keep bringing that up. Like, this does not look good for us, Jed. But Justin Lamb with that semifinal stock. Again, uh, half point anyway for Team K-Mac. Where Kevin missed just a little bit. Aaron Kennard. Kind of like my situation with Jody Lang. Aaron Kennard, winner. Super comp. Aaron Kennard, if you'd asked him, I'm sure he would 
gladly trade that for a win in Super Gas, where he's in title contention. A win is a win, don't get me wrong. Right win, wrong class, and wrong class for Kevin as well. And speaking of Aaron and his Super Gas chase, Jed, I know you don't keep up with this quite like I do, but I have no idea what's about to happen in Super Gas. Someone is going to win the world championship. I have no idea who it's going to be. And again, kind of like I said in Super Comp, like, I want to say no one wants to win it because everybody wants to win it. But nobody is putting up a score that would traditionally win it. We talked about Devin Eisenhower last week after his runner-up at the divisional event in Brainerd. He might be in the best position, but to date, he's been to three national events, and I don't believe he's been out a third round. So his next three, his three remaining national events will tell the tale. He's going to have to do something there to get up over the hump. And the guy that we haven't talked about, or I haven't talked about at all along the way, is the guy that's been leading, has been atop the standings for like two months, and that's Jim Perry. Because it's really similar to Austin Williams' position in Supercomp. When they put up that score, you go, okay, that's nice. That's a top 10 score that's never going to hold up. And they only have a handful of races left. Well, since that time, over the last you know month or two, we watched all of those racers that had gaudy-looking scores with a bunch of events left to claim. We watched those racers go to those events and lose first or second round, like seemingly everybody. To where now, that score that Austin's put up in Supercomp, that score that Jim Perry's put up in Supergas, you go, well, like they've been to the races and won the rounds. You know what I mean? Like the the it's enough looking down at the potential who could catch them, but like that's already on the board. Those skins are on yeah. the wall, it's and posted, suddenly. Yeah their position looks a lot stronger. I don't know necessarily that Austin Williams or Jim Perry are going to end up winning those respective world championships, but a month ago, I would tell you, they've got very little chance. And right now, they got as good a shot as anybody. It is wide open. Like, you look down the top 30 in either of those classes, somebody's going to get hot to close this thing out, and anybody down the list could get it done and end up hoisting that Wally in November. So it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Gives us something to talk about. So we'll look forward to seeing how that plays out. Luke, as you mentioned, uh, there was some big buck bracket racing, mainly out of the state of Pennsylvania, where the Beaver Big Buck Blast, uh, Jason Weaver and the gang put on that event at Beaver Springs Dragway in Pennsylvania, uh, had a uh, Saturday 7500 uh, main event and then a $4,000 shootout. The box shootout was won by Steve Marincheck, which is his second year in a row. And he's coming off the summit or the uh, IHRA Sportsman Spectacular runner up at Keystone. Uh, so he's uh, having himself a real good stretch right here. Red got hot. Win. Yes, got to win over uh, Jake Minert. And the no box shootout was won by my old buddy Marty Flegel. Tough, tough bottom ball racer getting a win over Dave Miller. The box main event was Kevin Little over Dennis Hellman. The no box main event was John Bankel. Uh, shout out to uh, John. He's a WFC competitor. He got the win over Mike Harpster and Junior Dragsters. The winner was uh, the main event was uh, Lane Cayley over Jamie and Dietz. And the $1,200 shootout was little Isabella Ritchie getting a win over Mallory Stewart. Uh, they moved into Sunday. Uh, event was uh, shortened by rain, but it got down to the semis in the box main event. And the semifinalists were Frank Romeo. Whoa, that, that name sounds familiar. Yep, Romeo, where, where, where do we know that from? 
producer Mark's father, and Frank was also another semifinalist as he had two entries in with the last three remaining, and Blaze Rayi was the uh, other semifinalist there where um, they had to split the money. So great job by Frank. He represented two out of three. So shout out to producer Mark and the Romeo family for dad getting a getting a nice weekend paycheck there the no box main event was split in the final due to rain i'm not sure who those finalists were and isabella ritchie got another win in junior dragster to wrap up the uh big bucks blast there um, in uh, beaver springs isabella on a roll too and shout out to producer mark papa papa producer mark does that work yeah daddy frank yeah, Frank's hard charger in that Vegas, so good to see him. Man, two out of the last three, he had to be feeling really confident. I hated to see they had to shorten that up by some rain. Uh, just uh, not far, not even across the state, uh, another big race up at New Media that was the New Media 150. Looks like they fought some weather throughout the weekend, but looks like they got everything in. Main event up there at New Media Friday's race, that's Demi- Jimmy DiCaccio? Am I saying that right, Big Jen? DiGiacco. DiGiacco. Okay. DiGiacco, and um, he is known, Luke, for backing up slower than anybody else in the dragster class across the country. He's got the slowest return back to the starting line. It's We, we don't call it slow. I'm, my apologies. We call it precise. It sounds like he's very deliberate. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Okay. Good guy. Like got the win over Big Nasty. This was, this was, am I reading? This was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's a long drive. It was a long train ride. Kyle gets a long distance award. <laughs> Big Nasty made his way out to New Media and got him a runner up there on Friday. So we see uh, Peter and Kyle very close to the Domino family. So out there supporting those guys. And look like it paid off pretty well. Why do I feel like this Biondo cycle thing is like taking over the world? Like we got Peter Biondo winning races in Tucson. Kyle Seipel and finals at New Media. Like, I don't, just speaking on behalf of the entire racing community, like, I don't know that I like this. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Kyle's that's actually team, not true. I love this. Kyle's teammates with Justin Lamb, they rule the world. Uh, he's partners with Peter, they rule the world. And any wins at races, too. So, it's getting a little hard for me to like Kyle right now. Hopefully, I get over it soon. And you're not supposed to do that good and have that much fun. Very good point. You either you either go have fun or you go dominate. Like you don't do both. You can't have this best of both worlds thing, Cyple. Get it straight. <laughs> Great point. Saturday's main event, Steve. Man, I'm I'm sorry on the Northeast names. I'm out. You take it. Steve Cardamone. There you Card- go. I like Card- that. Card- actually sounds really good the way that you say that. Yeah, it just rolled really well. Got the win over Wes Siegel. I know Wes. And Sunday was Matt Shapiro. Over Robert Bennett. And I believe Sunday wrapped up a little late. I saw some dark, dark pictures there where they might have had some rain interrupted. But as always, uh, the folks at New Media and the Domino family worked extremely hard to make sure they gave the racers what they came for and paid for. Job well done. They got it all in and paid out every penny. So the inaugural New Media 150 went off overall very well. All right, from New Media, we will go to the thriving metropolis that is Ardmore, Oklahoma, for the 
Windmill Nationals. Looked like Saturday got cut short via rain. Friday, that little warm-up race. Kurt Harvey got the win in Super Pro over Kyle Seacrest. Kurt Harvey is a name that you have heard before on the podcast. He was super hot back a couple of months ago, just continuing his winning ways. Friday's bottom ball action, Jesse Cervantes with the win over Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is another guy that we've mentioned here on the podcast. Um for some wins earlier in the season in that part of the country. Again, Saturday, split early in both classes due to rain. Sunday, Super Pro winner. It is the year of the Chevette, Big Jet. Yes, it is. Uh, we'll be talking to this guy here in just a little bit, but Nick Duty gets the win with a nice six-pack. Got the win over the Peep Show. Peeps Pennington left it a thou red in the final, and Nick took his Chevette to another big money uh, win. This this guy does this with some regularity and with not a ton of opportunities since he's a track operator. So looking forward to talking to Nick about that. Let's relive. And actually, we can get Nick on to to tell us exactly how this happened. But let's relive that pre-final round discussion, okay? Peeps comes up and says, hey, man, what do you want to do with the money? Nick says, I don't care, man. I'm about to be six total. Peeps says, I can beat that. Rolls three thou out, turns it one thou red. <laughs> you know, that just might have happened, Luke. I have no idea if that's the way it shook down, but it makes for a great story. <laughs> and uh, in the no electronics category, the Cervantes uh, family continued to roll as Marcus this time got the win over Mad Max McLaughlin, which is also having a, a very good year in his own right on the bottom bulb. Absolutely. That brings us to... Our interview. Uh, we'll make it the big interview. Uh, I'm super excited to have Nick Duty on with us today. Nick's got a great story to share. Nick is a unique individual with a unique background in our sport. We try to get a little bit in-depth on all of that. And he's a guy that I personally, Jed, go way back with. So really looking forward to have having Nick Duty on the show today. We will make him the big interview. for the big interview on the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed all right as promised we've got a man that is coming off a really special big weekend for him big win with a a lot of special emotions around it guy that has uh, competed for quite a while at a high level in bracket racing when he gets the opportunity but most known i guess as being the track manager at thunder valley raceway park in noble oklahoma nick duty glad to have you tonight man we appreciate you joining us no thanks thanks for having me guys i appreciate it Nick, you continued what is becoming a trend that I'm not even sure you're completely aware of. We're just going to lump T-1000s and Chevettes together for the sake of conversation. Hey, <laughs> hey, I, I agree completely. It's the year of the Chevette, my man. Man, I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it, I'll be honest. I mean, if, if I can, if I want, my, my one small contribution to drag racing can be the ownership of a, uh, of, uh, of a Chevette, then I'm all in. <laughs> Nick Duty. Nick Hastings on the T-1000 side. Brandon Umberger. I mean, what's next? If you've got a Chevette out there, like if it hasn't been down the racetrack in two years, it's time to get it out. This is the year. It's now or never. Hey, I think it's a great year to cash in on the Chevette love. I know there's a couple sitting out here local to me that haven't seen the track in a while. I think it's time to get them back out. (laughs) Oh, this is going to ramp up the popularity of those, I assure you. 
Nick, we just got done with a, a brief coverage of the Windmill Nationals at uh, Ardmore, Oklahoma, where you were Sunday's big $10,000 winner with the win over Peeps Pennington, who, as we said, was one thou red in the final, but uh, you didn't leave him much room to get in, six total in the shy vet. But that, what we've told so far, seems to be a very minor portion of the story. Now, I think it's best coming from your mouth. It seemed like you had a little bit of help along the way. Super emotional victory. For our listeners that aren't aware, kind of walk us through the weekend, the events leading up to it, why this was such a big deal. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a long story. I'll try to make it as, as brief as possible for everybody. But, hey, it's uh, a we podcast. Coming... We, don't, we don't have a hard out. Which is All right, I like it. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Well, since, uh, I'll, I'll use some of my announcing genes to fill some time here then. So we're just coming off our big uh, yearly no-prep race uh, out Armageddon. We just uh, finished it up, and we have a scheduled week off the week after. So I've been planning for months. This was going to be, you know, really the only weekend that I can go racing all year because the other 40 weeks out of the year that I have racing weather, I'm working. So this was my big plan to take the weekend off. We were closed and go, go have some fun at Will's race. I, I talked him into rescheduling just for me so I could, so I could race. And he, he helped me out, did, did all that good stuff. And found out uh, about six hours after our race ended, I think on the 11th, that uh, one of my former employees, Tristan Bollinger, passed away from an autoimmune disease he had been fighting. He was uh, 19. He had uh, worked for us for three or four years probably the best water box guy that I've had or been worked with in my 20 some odd years of doing this 20, 23 years. And so it was, uh, it was rough, man. It was, it's been a, an emotional week for sure. Um, we came really close with his mom and dad and I've been up to the hospital to visit him a few times as he fought this over the last 14 months or so. But, uh, he had, uh, he had a disease called ALD and it's got a much fancier, longer scientific name that I can't say, but it, it's, somewhat similar to Lou Gehrig's disease and so yeah he 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 fought it hard man for for 14 months and kind of in and out of the hospital and we thought he was going to get to go home and we had set up some some fun stuff for him to do at the track and you know some of the filming of the street outlaws that are close to us because he loved all those guys I mean this kid was more passionate about drag racing than probably anybody I've ever met I mean he loved it and And this is uh, something that just popped up within the last 15 months yeah basically um they they knew he had some symptoms, sort of the disease, but there's also a lesser version that is typically, uh, you know, something that you can live with. And so that would kind of been uh, the thinking and I guess the hope all along that, uh, you know, while he presented with a few symptoms as a, as a youngster that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to fully develop into, into the ALD gene, I guess. But yeah, about uh, 14 months ago, actually, he was, he was working at the racetrack and, and helping us uh, scrape the track and uh, he had a seizure. And that was basically the kind of first first step into into getting the full on diagnosis that he actually did indeed have the LD. And so since then it was just a, it was a battle. I mean, the kid fought hard. He he went uh, the whole time he was in and out of the hospital. He he worked with tutors and went to school because he was still in high school and he graduated last May. Got to go across the states, which was really cool. Him and his sister ended up graduating the same year from more high school here in Oklahoma. And so he yeah, he he started with a champion. Yeah, we found out at 4.38 a.m. this past Sunday, he, um, or I guess two Sundays ago now, that, that he did pass away as he was, had been listening to the Armageddon Live coverage all weekend that had put on there for him. We finished our race, and about five hours later, he passed. So, man, yeah, it was it was crazy emotional week. We ended up um, having a funeral for him Saturday morning, so we left Ardmore Friday night, came back up to the city here in Oklahoma, 
in Oklahoma City, and and my wife and I and all of our, you know, lots of our employees and several racers and just tons of people there. We're standing room only for the services. Uh, went out in the parking lot afterwards and did some burnouts with some people that had brought some race cars. I mean, it was uh, it was super emotional, but it was uh, it was a great celebration um, of his life. So. We ended up uh, heading back to Ardmore afterwards to do a little racing, and didn't have much luck on Saturday. But uh, on Sunday, man, he was he was riding with me, and uh, we got lucky, definitely. Awesome story, and it looked like in a obviously a relatively short period of time, this young man touched a lot of lives because I saw an outpouring of uh, of love and support uh, sent his family's way. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean. It's, Anytime there's any kind of tragedy in the drag racing community, you can always count on uh, on drag racers from whether it's bracket racing or heads up racing coming together to help and to and to be there for for the you know members of the drag racing family. And it, it happens time and time again, and this was no exception. It was it was great to see so many people come out and support this kid. Like I said, he was he was there three or four years, and he was a shy kid, quiet kid, he didn't talk a whole lot, but he worked his tail off and super polite and respectful to everyone. He was just one of those kids that was raised right, and you'd be proud to for your kids to grow up and be like him. So it was, it was definitely a cool deal to have to see so many people be a part of celebrating everything that he's done in a short time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nick, you played just about every role in racing at one time or another. I mean, you have a very unique perspective about our sport. I mean, tell us a little bit about all of the things you do. Yeah, I started uh, working the water box in the ET booth uh, when I was 13. In between uh, racing junior drag shows, getting beat by Luke on a regular basis, and several other people who kicked my butt <laughs> when I was trying to drive a junior. So I figured out real quick that I needed to just concentrate on working at a racetrack rather than racing, so that wasn't hey, very good at it. A little bit of history here. For those of you kind of catching on, Nick and I grew up together at Texas Raceway. The first ever junior dragster event held at Texas Raceway I beat Nick in the final round, and I like I, that's kind of my claim to fame. Like I won the first junior race at, at Kennedale. Like it's a big deal. What I don't ever talk about: the second ever junior dragster race at Texas Raceway, Nick beat me in the final round. So we go way back. We were what, like eleven at the time, or I was eleven. We were close to the same age, aren't we? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting old now. I'm 36. So I think I might have a year right around a year or two, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I do not remember all that. I think I blocked out all the butt kickings I got. So if there was one win sprinkled in there, I'll take your word for it. But uh, I, I do claim all the credit for launching your career to what it's turned into since you got the first win against me. So I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll accept any plaques you want to send or anything like that. For your, your thank you would be more than fine. I'll give you my address after the show. <laughs> well, obviously, Nick. You race, you manage a facility, you promote, you'll get on the mic, but you know, as you as you get the rare opportunity to get out and compete, you always seem to do really well. What's it like to be on the other side of the the racer promoter relationship? Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, a different a different feeling. Uh, you know, I think I look at things that are happening at the track probably a little bit different than than most people. You know, I, I know the struggles that a, a race promoter goes through with weather or whether it's timing system issues or track issues. So I'm definitely, definitely have a soft spot for whether it's Will Carroll or, you know, if I'm traveling around, wherever it is, I know the kind of work and dedication that DC will put into making, making a race great. And I know it doesn't always go according to plan. So I kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where I'm always going to, I'm never going to go up the tower and complain because I know, I, I know what it's like to be on the other end of the conversation. Uh, 
I know that everybody out there is trying their best, but it's really great sometimes just to kick back and see a problem happening and be like, man, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that this time. <laughs> I get to sit over here and drink a, drink a bottle of water under my awning and watch how somebody else handles this. So, yeah, I definitely relish that, and I, I poke Will a little bit when I go race at Ardmore at the closest track. Uh, to, to me here, so I definitely like to see him, you know, take a little bit of the stuff I get on a regular basis and, and look at it from an outsider perspective as a racer. Uh, to give him, give him crap, go up there and complain about, you know, my big tire 670 Chevette not hooking up at his racetrack and things like that. We we like to give each other some jabs. He he routinely tells me that I'm the second best track operator in Oklahoma. So it goes back and forth. <laughs> we might be missing out here. We need to, we've got Nick on the show. We need to get Will on the show at some point too. Just oh, the sheer entertainment value. Yeah. You definitely need to get Will on the show. You might not be able to get him off the show, but you definitely need to get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Jed and I have talked about that at length on the show on several occasions, how we each put on a, a couple of races a year and just being on that side of it, being that, uh, promoter role so to speak once will give you a completely different perspective as a racer and i don't know what you would give to just be able to bottle up a a bottle of that empathy and give it to each of your (laughs) regular racers but uh, i I understand where you're coming from on on a different perspective i can only imagine from from your end getting to having to work it what 30 40 weekends a year and getting to race it a handful so yeah, it definitely gives you. I mean, that's that's something that I talk to with the promoters and track managers about a lot. If, if every racer could do it once, I think they'd have an appreciation for for what goes into it. It's not as simple as just turning on the power and opening the gates and it all falls into place. It never is, and you guys know that. And I think most people understand it, but I think it just it it just comes. You know, it's like people who work in fast food or retail or anywhere else. If they you get an inside scoop. On, on how things go and it's never as simple as you as it looks from the outside so that's that's definitely part of it but uh you know i you just mentioned you guys just recently finished up uh outlaw armageddon you guys are the host track there at thunder valley raceway park and i guess the closest track in proximity to the street outlaws bunch you're close with those guys i don't know like our listener base is probably a little bit different but is there one like kind of behind the scenes story you don't have to name names but like something that you could share about those guys that would make people go oh my goodness or that just maybe wouldn't know and might laugh about any anything any good dirt on the outlaws uh, man dirt oh man it's so many secrecy when they come out and test and things like that but you know i think the biggest misconception out there is that all the uh you know all the all the races and everything on that show are are set up and i see people post all the time that you know it's supposed to be this guy wins and this guy's supposed to move up and I can tell you from being out there at filming and talking to these guys when they test, you know, we're, we're testing with those guys a couple times a week. There, uh, there's nothing rigged about any of those races that they do on the street. I mean, obviously they're, they're setting up the street and things like that nowadays where they're not actually breaking any laws, but when it comes to actual competition, one-on-one heads up racing on a street, none of the results are ever, are ever, you know, designed beforehand. They're, they're racing, they're giving everything they got and they, they give it as good as they get on the show. I mean, they pretty much what you hear from most of those guys is, you know, pretty much their true feelings. They, there's some, there's some friends and some groups in there that get along, but there's a lot of animosity and a lot of rivalry. I mean, I, not, not animosity, but rivalry. I mean, these guys were, were racing against each other five, 10 years before the show ever came around and they'll probably do it five or 10 years after the show is gone. But, uh, all that stuff, man, it's, it, there's definitely legit competition. So I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I've seen out there. And then, 
yeah, other than that, the kind kind of time and money these guys put into working on their programs and, and everything else. I mean, they're just as dedicated as a bracket racer trying to get their car to be consistent. They're out there every week testing and making me stay out till midnight, one o'clock, and and pissing the neighbors <laughs> off. So <laughs> it is. It's definitely not just a turn on the camera and go kind of thing. They're, they're, they're putting in the work. So I'll give them. I can definitely give them credit for that. Yeah, and your your relationship is obviously. A- deeper with those guys than than most would even realize obviously with all the testing but you know uh, armageddon while just like we see in bracket racing the the events that pay the most money are not always the signature or or the uh, the, the main event that people want to attend but your event gets so much attention armageddon gets tons of attention i guess really globally yeah, I mean we have the we have five countries represented and you know people attending the event ticket sales this year. Um, wow. Yeah, I think uh, uh, we're, we're going to see live feed the last few years through speed video and they send me numbers on everything and you know there's been a million different people tune in. You know at each one of the events, it's crazy how much attention it definitely garners. And I mean it's not that we're doing anything more special than I guess you could say now the No Prep Kings has come on this year and their show and. And all the other no prep series, I think it it works because of geography. This is their home track, and you know they get to um, they get to come out and kind of defend their home turf, which is which is cool, and, and support their local track. That'll be here, like I said, long after the show and long after Armageddon's gone. Thunder Valley will still be here racing like it has been for 26 years now. That helps out. It was just kind of the right place, right time, and had the right people involved. We do that with a couple of co-promoters that have been putting on no prep races up here from before I got here, and, and Mark Sorensen and Jesse Jennings and like I said, it worked out with those guys having relationships with these guys and being able to say, hey, you know, let's come out and make this something. And I think it helps the racers, too. They're able to other tracks, and we've had, we have track operators come in every year to Armageddon and ask questions and how do you do this and, you know, would you will and give me some pointers. And it's one of those deals where I think that kind of racing, you know, it's kind of like bracket racing. The more tracks there are that are doing it and do it well, I make the whole thing more successful. It's not one of those deals where if you're the only track in the country doing something, you're not. You know, it, it takes it takes multiple tracks, and multiple locations to kind of build a build a following in a program. So, I think it it just we hit at the right time, and it's been something that's you know kind of stayed popular throughout the uh, throughout the five years we've done it. Good stuff, man. All right, back to your racing. When I know you got a full schedule there at Thunder Valley Raceway Park. When's the next time that we might get a look at the Chivette? Well, the Chivette, we got to get. We've still got a borrowed converter in the Chivette that I that I've had for almost a year now. My buddy Travis Cannon loaned me one out of his uh, his no prep Nova, so I've got a got a nice bolt together, way too nice and way too expensive converter in there. I need to get out of it. So that's coming up. Probably have to uh, talk to my buddy Will about doing some more carburetor work and you know making sure we're dialed in because I think next we're going to the bracket finals and uh, Ennis for the Division Four bracket finals. So I'll do a little gambler race Friday night in the middle of September. And then, uh, yeah, after that, I don't know. We got the, uh, a couple more races at Ardmore, and then I'll probably be back to where I uh, finally got to meet Jed first time in person uh, back at Prescott in November. So that's probably where I'll be headed. So I'll get three or four more races in before it's time to shut down for the for the winter. Yeah, I, if our memory serves me correct, I was in position to maybe uh, get on the board on the, the dial for dollars or run for money or whatever. And I think you laid down one total to just totally well, take that away. A- that's a great story, and I would be commiserate in your misery there, but I have to mention that I was the first one off the uh, in line down to go at dial for dollars, 20 to 20 bucks for $1,000. I was triple zero, dead one, and like two pair before the end, somebody put up a perfect run. 
And I didn't oh, get any that's money. right. That is right. <laughs> oh, I forgot right. about yeah, that. You re- did, you, did you forget about that? <laughs> I really did. I really well, you did. were rubbing it in a little bit, Deb, but that's okay. Oh, now. my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I did. I got beat with a perfect package. I don't know what the chances were, but it was just enough to, to slide inside that double one. Oh, brutal. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. I was almost burned into the ground. It almost didn't make it back to Oklahoma, but we, we managed to salvage our relationship. <laughs> what are the ch- we need to get Seipel on just to give us the odds of that because I'm sure he's got the numbers like that was like a point oh 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 two percent chance that somebody could under that especially when you're down to two pairs to go yeah I mean, you, you guys attend a lot of races I mean you definitely don't hear about a perfect run at each event you go to so it's got to be uh, just a fraction of a percentage of chances that happening but um, yeah almost yeah. definitely doesn't count in drag racing because it was almost almost good enough but it wasn't and it doesn't pay anything either. <laughs> it was- Almost a thousand dollars, right? <laughs> it was almost a thousand dollars, but it definitely was uh, a sad afternoon going into first time. But we, we still turned on a lot of wind lights. I think I made twenty-eight passes and made or walked out with a hundred-dollar check. So it was a pretty good weekend. <laughs> Sounds like a bracket race to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a double enter, buyback. Yeah, I was doing all of it. Now that a hundred dollars spent well though. <laughs> Nick, man, again, congratulations on a, a heck of a weekend. Uh, again, you don't get very many opportunities, but you make the most of them. Great to see you performing well. Great to see you get a win with such specialness around it. That was uh, had to be really cool for you and something that will be a memory for you for a lifetime. Definitely so. And uh, yeah, just all the people that have sent messages and, and texts and things like that, I think they were more surprised than I was that I won. And I appreciate all the all the nice, not the nice words and the high fives I got and the, and the cold beers and everything else in the winter circle. So appreciate uh, everybody for reaching out that has and, uh, and congratulating me. Like I said, I definitely beat some people that I had no business beating and, and I apologize to them for whatever <laughs> came over me. And uh, I'm sure the next time we race, it'll be a much different outcome, but I appreciate you guys letting me have one. Uh, I will remember it forever. And uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, having me on the little, do a little racing BSing. I don't get to do enough of that now. Thanks, so I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, I know you're a busy guy, and you don't get a chance to listen to the show probably very much. But before we let you go, we have a little segment we call Rapid Fire with our big interview. So we're going to ask you five quick questions and, and just get whatever pops into your head from there. You think you're up for that? I mean, I'm up for it. I don't know what the, uh, you know, what the results will be after I say something that I shouldn't say, but I'm ready. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, we can edit stuff out. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. If, Nick Duty, you could not race a Chevette, you would drive? 57 Chevy 2. Nice. Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? I don't do college uh, college sports or college of any part. I went to a college that didn't have a football team, but I will go with Oklahoma because they're like two miles from the racetrack, so we're going Oklahoma. <laughs> Compete in a big dollar bracket race or put on a big dollar bracket race? What's more fun? Competing is way more fun. Yeah, competing is way more fun. I mean, losing kind of sucks, but just being there is good. So I'll go with competing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oklahoma guy, I think I know where this is headed, but what's your favorite food? Oh, favorite food. No, I don't think you know where this is headed. Like, I'm 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 like a Chinese food junkie, so I'm going to go any kind of like Chinese food, sushi, anything like that. You're yeah. right. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> that's not where Jed thought that was going. <laughs> no, I think I, I think I pulled him on that one. <laughs> I got another uh, "What's more fun?" promoter question. Disregarding profit, because I would assume that it's a dramatic difference. Okay. Armageddon or say the Labor Day landslide? No, I'm uh, as much fun as I have uh, hanging out and 
seeing 15, 20,000 people at my place. I'm a, I'm a bracket racer. I'm a bracket racer through and through. So that's, that's what I grew up on at Kennedale and announcing and, and racing. So I, I go, I go a big money bracket race any day. Awesome, man. Thank Love you that. for, uh, for taking some time out of your schedule to join us on the sportsman drag racing podcast. Again, congrats on the big win condolences to Tristan's family. Thank you for coming on and telling your story, man. Awesome, awesome stuff. Hey guys, like I said, I appreciate you having me on and uh and um, I'm actually gonna make time to, to listen to my interview and see how, how crazy I sounded. So I am definitely gonna tune into the next episode. Ah you did awesome bud. All right guys. Y'all take it easy. Thanks, Nate. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. September the 7th through the 9th, the team of Galen Rollison and Britt Cummings will bring the 10th annual Moser Great American Bracket Race back to Memphis International Raceway. Now, the crowning race will be the $50,000 to win main event, but along with the great main event payouts, the All-State Challenge will return for the second time. Does your state have the best racers in the country? This year's All-State teams are shaping up great, but don't take my word for it. Get a team together and go find out for yourself. The the out-the-gate race is back once again as well. They're taking 16 entrants for a $250 entry. It's $2,000 to win, and all you will get is reaction time and 60 foots. Follow the Great American Bracket Races on Facebook or get a hold of Galen or Britt for more information. If you have listened to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard me talk about This Is Bracket Racing Elite. This Is Bracket Racing Elite is an exclusive membership community headed by myself and Kevin Brannon, designed specifically to help open-minded racers take their game to the next level. This week, I want to do something a little bit different. I actually want to read an excerpt from an email that I recently received from a member who is leaving Elite. It was dropping out of the group, okay? So this is a little bit different from what you'd expect. Luke, I really wish I didn't have to do this. However, I'm going to have to remove myself from This Is Bracket Racing Elite for a while, yada, 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 give some reasoning why. With all of that being said, I would like to extend a huge, all caps huge, thank you for all that you, Kevin, and the group have taught me. So far this year, I've been in four finals with two wins and multiple appearances in late rounds of big dollar races. I'm currently leading the points chase at my home track. The lessons that I've read, watched, and learned have been instrumental in stepping my program up to a level that I never thought I would achieve. So again, thank you, and I can't wait to rejoin the group once I have all of my ducks back in a row. Again, that was one of our This Is Bracket Racing Elite members who recently dropped out of the group. Kind of singing the praises of Elite. If one of our non-members is saying that, think of what the nearly 200 members of This Is Bracket Racing Elite have to say about the community. If you want to reach and expand your potential on the racetrack, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can help. Check it out at thisisbracketracing.com. Racing next week. It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. 
It's what's on tap. We are just over two weeks away from the second annual All-State Challenge. And what is it? The 10th annual Great American Bracket Race, Mosier Great American Bracket Race, Memphis International Raceway, Memphis, Tennessee. Big Jed, seems like daily now more information is coming out on this race. More teams are put together, more tickets punched to Memphis. We could talk about this for a long time, but I think the one thing that really stood out to me in the rat last week, Team Tennessee, those guys don't suck. <laughs> no, it looks like a pretty pretty mean team there. I know they were maybe looking for a team member either over the weekend or early in this week, but either way, it looks like they're going to be very strong with some amazingly accomplished racers filling their slots. Yeah, I mean, when you start off and the team captain is the king himself, Big E, Edmund Richardson, that's a strong start. And Edmund has put together a team from Tennessee that, like I say, this looks stout. It starts off top Bob dragster with a guy that most people wouldn't associate with Tennessee, but he's a resident. Lane Dickin no longer lives in the great state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Lane Dickin. Team Tennessee, top bulb dragster. Lane Dickin, pretty good at driving a top bulb dragster. Top bulb door car, racing. Jason Lynch, bottom bulb door car. Another transplant. He didn't grow up in Tennessee, but he got <laughs> here as fast as he could. It's Slick Rick Bear, bottom bulb <laughs> door car. Female contestant, Eva Caneva, Eva Lane. She's been known to turn on a wind lighter too. Won some big races oh, yeah. here just in the last couple of years. The King himself will take the wheel in 990 to Edmund Richardson. In fact, I believe the rest of the field is filled out by Richardson's. Edmund will drive Supergas. Ryan will drive the stock Superstock combo. Blake will be the utility rep. That's Team Richardson slash Team Tennessee. And I'm just telling you, Big Jed, that is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, it's a wicked good team. Um, it's hard to believe that the, the state of Tennessee got so fortunate to have those uh, talented racers move to their state, but I guess that's just how it works. Uh, well, let's be of, honest, Big Jet. If you're big into racing, it's a pretty good place to live. Yeah, it's a great place to live if you're big into racing. And um, I guess if you used to get a lot of snow in your front yard, it's even better than that to live in Tennessee, especially in the southern half of it. So that team's going to be strong. But, Luke, there's a lot of strong teams. Team Illinois is going to be strong. And a lot of folks are bringing great teams to that All-State Challenge. So looking forward to see how it plays out once again, unfortunately, as we've discussed. The Slammas will not make an appearance this year. Just didn't work out. But I don't know. We might have been in the way this year. It just looks like teams are a little stronger than they were last year. Yeah, unfortunately, the winner of this year's All-State Challenge will not have the pleasure of shutting up Big Jed <laughs> and beating <laughs> the Slammers. So, <clears throat> you think I would talk about winning this thing if we did it? Might be some it's added drama. Style. Might be some added drama for year three. A lot going on that weekend in Memphis. Obviously, the All-State Challenge is the headline. I don't know, like the 50 grander. That's hard for that not to be a headline. That's the highlight of the weekend, the $50,000 main event on Saturday. You mentioned the the out-the-gate race. That is not the the out-of-the-gate race. That is the the out-the-gate race. That's always fun. The King of Memphis this year is going to be on the long track. I like that. I like getting to stretch my legs on the long track. That's going to be fun. An annual 
tradition of the event is also the American Race Cars Shootout. That's actually a race that I put on in conjunction with Travis at American Race Cars, along with Galen and Britt. 32 car shootout this year. That race will take place Saturday night after the 50 grander. We are taking entries. It's a little over half full. Don't look at the entry list. If you do, you will not want to enter. It is a who's who, but we need 15 more. So Make yourself a who's who, too. We'll take entries for that event as well. Again, it'll be Saturday night after the 50. That race, Big Jed, still two weeks away, or three weeks away, I guess, by the weekends. You've got uh, the last weekend of August. You've got Labor Day weekend. Then you've got Memphis. A lot going on this weekend, Big Jed. Huge, huge calendar weekend for races across the country. Yeah, the Carolina Power Fest, Luke, is being held at Rockingham Dragway this weekend. Uh, the IHRA has the next Sportsman Spectacular coming up at Maryland International Raceway at Bud's Creek, Maryland. Down here in Alabama, Huntsville Dragway has the Make My Day Bracket Bash. It's going to be a couple of 10-granders Saturday and Sunday. The Make uh, My Day Bracket Bash? That that. That, that's in the running now for my favorite race name. Like, is there is there a picture of of Dirty Harry on the flyer? <laughs> I don't think so. But they uh, they are coming up with some really good names for their events. That, that's a good point. Go ahead, uh, Bones. Make my the, day. <laughs> the top bulb tens are being held at Empire Dragway in um, Leicester, New York, and that's uh, another big buck bracket race for the state of New York coming off of one just a, a couple of weekends ago. Over on the NHRA side, Division Three has their Lucas Oil event at Bowling Green, Beach Bend Raceway Park, always a big one coming up right before Indy. That'll be a big show. And then Rocky Mountain Raceways, uh, Luke's going to have their double, and I guess this will be the final divisional ever. Yeah, it's a little Rocky sad. Mountain Race. It is a little sad. Our buddy Mike Ames out there, will help uh, Division 7 put on a great show in West Valley City, Utah, which you have been to and raced at. There's a lot on the line coming up this weekend there at Rocky Mountain Raceways. Yeah, my wife and I were actually talking about this. We went to lunch together today, and I'm like, yeah, the, the doubles at Utah. Like, if it was last year, I'd be on my way to Utah. And I told her it's the last one. You know, this is they're shutting down the track at the end of the year. And she's like, oh, babe, that's it's your last chance to go. You should have gone. I'm like, Man. And then I realized, like, wait, it's in Utah. I do like it. It's a cool, cool facility. I'm not itching to drive back out there for two NHRA division races. Not sure what got into me. But it was fun. Glad I went. Glad I saw it. But as you mentioned, Big Jed, big, big weekend for the NHRA tour. Got the Division Three event in Bowling Green. Doubleheader in Division Seven out at Salt Lake City. This weekend's going to go a long way toward clearing up the gray area in the national championship chases in a lot of classes, like two divisionals in one weekend for Justin Lamb, two divisionals, I would assume, in one weekend for Aaron Kennard, for Brian McClanahan, for Robert Neighbor, for Bud Pruce, all very much in contention for national championships in their respective categories. Plus, over here on the other side of the country, Bowling Green's going to be, I assume, you'll see Don O'Neill there. You'll see Devin Eisenhower there. Jim Perry, the Supergas points leader, typically at that event. A lot could change this weekend, and like I say, I think we'll probably leave the weekend with a little bit clearer picture of how it's all going to shake down at season's end. Show, Big Ted. We've put it off. Oh, my goodness. We're going to do we've, this again. We've teased it. We shared some Racer Confidential stories last week. We told you guys how this is going to work. Okay, This is just meant to be a little bit of fun, and this is really for the stories that 
you always tell kind of behind the scenes and maybe you tell them among friends that don't really care, you know, who you're talking about. Maybe you edit names to protect the identity of the innocent. I don't know if that's the right word. (laughs) Maybe you flip these around and it's a story about you, but you're like, yeah, my buddy, whatever. We call this Racer Confidential. Submit to us anonymous stories. Anonymous stories of your racing buddies that might be a little bit too embarrassing to name names. We've got a couple good ones to share. Um, We're going to spread this out. This show's run a little bit long. Big Jed, I think you personally have got my favorite for this week. Again, want to reach out, want our listeners to send these in. We will uh, we'll try to, I don't know if we can do one of these every, every episode, but certainly we're going to do a couple of these a month. Racer Confidential, send them in. Mark, we got to come up with like a specific email address or something for this. For right now, just message the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast page on Facebook. You could DM us on Twitter too. However you want to do this, like get us these stories. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Jed, the stage is yours. Well, Luke, quite a few years ago, this racer was racing at kind of a small track USA, you know, just a nice little country drag strip uh, tucked in the, the one of the southern states. And he had quite a bit of success in a more street type vehicle, not a traditional race car by any means. And for whatever reason, this racer... <laughs> got some attention that he didn't want the 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 locals in this area might have been just a little bit rough on him and treated him like he was doing something wrong when he really wasn't he was just competing and doing it well winning races but he was just beating them in a street car yeah this area liked to see race cars win you know loud race cars just rearing the tires up and making a lot of smoke and noise and that's what racing's supposed to be about so this racer was getting a little flack from people, and the, there was a, a certain group of racers and fans that were trying to get the track operator to basically ban slow cars. Okay, we don't even want them here, but at the very least, make them race each other so we ain't got to see a guy take off and then a fast race car try to catch him, and we don't understand the timing system, so there's really no way they can catch him. He dials it where they can't even catch him, which he could dial it next Tuesday, and they could catch him, but... It is what it is. They didn't understand it. So, but to try. I always like the go-to argument there. It's it's unsafe. Yes, it is unsafe. Racing in general is. If if anybody <laughs> was wondering, but so the track operator assured said racer that, but don't worry about it. I know they're coming to me every week. Okay, every week, and wanting this, but I'll never do that to you. You've been very supportive of me. You have crawled around out here in the dark and helped me set rollout, things that I didn't understand. And you've been a a great friend and supporter of my facility. So don't worry. I'll never do it. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. The the guy that's dominating these races is out there at midnight and helping them set rollout. I call Tower Power. Tower (laughs) Power. Yeah. He he was a really good guy and, and tried to help his local country drag strip but this particular night in question they really made the statement in so many words that they didn't want his help anymore and really didn't care about his support anymore it just got to the point where uh they they were caving to the pressure so they set an et break and it was where slow cars 
ran slow cars, say eight flat and slower raced each other and 799 and faster raced each other. And they were going to get down to one of each and pair them against one another. And, you know, I guess maybe him racing more street type vehicles would net them some kind of different result. Uh, since he was beating all the race cars, the big tire alcohol fed race cars in super pro and foot brake, I guess they thought maybe if he races street cars, somebody will beat him, but that did not really happen as he was mowing his way through the field. Um, another one of the slow cars in the field was doubled and said racer was sitting in the staging lanes where they're not very large or very long. Um, there's only a couple of them and he was sitting in his lane and I believe the track operator slash announcer was challenging the other car that was doubled that you got to get back up here and you got to get back up here right now. We're going to throw you out. Well, said racer, he's just a good guy. He didn't want anybody to get thrown out. So he went to the operator and said, man, just, just let them race with the faster cars. They're doubled. They're trying to get the car turned around. Got a lot happening. He said, no, nope. they get up here right now or I'm throwing them out it's over and you know it was just a bad deal said racer had uh, a very close acquaintance at the facility that was dialed like 797 so he was obviously running with 799 and faster well that acquaintance said you know what man i don't want to see anybody get thrown out and he said heck why don't me and you just race i mean we're, we're racing for peanuts here anyway why don't you and i just race i'll dial eight flat I'll hold a few. If I beat you, I beat you. If I don't, I don't. It ain't a big deal. And that way, the other guys won't get any more trouble or attention brought to them. Well, said racer said, you know what? That's a great idea. A really good idea. So I tell you what, acquaintance, um, you're going to see the red bulb shine in my lane. Don't worry about when it comes on. Just know that when it comes on, I need you to get out of here. I need you to go A to B. And get your time slip if you can, because I just, you know, I'm, I'm really not comfortable with this whole situation. I need to make a statement. So the slower car got the first bulb, turned on the red immediately, just kind of jumped across the starting line and stopped. Well, faster acquaintance hammers down the loud pedal, gets the wind light and coast on through the shutdown area. At that point, the racer that felt wronged decided that he needed to make a statement that not only he would remember, that everybody at the facility would remember for the rest of their lives. He gently moved over into the middle of the racetrack. He did cross the center line, so he was double foul. He uh, actually had a red bulb and a center line cross, but he didn't get all the way across. It just kind of straddled it. And at that point, decided to mash his loud pedal and chew up every light, cone, whatever, wire, anything they had that would time another racer and drag it, hopefully, on down the interstate if he was able to get there in time before they caught him. <laughs> so he, he moved over and mowed him down. Not a lot of... Not a lot of lights at this facility, but yeah, he clobbered them and took everything out. And when he got back on the return road and started making his way out of the facility, he unfortunately was blocked the faster category 
had filled the lanes and filling the lanes at this facility was about four to five cars in each of their two staging lanes. And he was blocked that, that actually ran them into the pits. He was not able to get out. So he hung out and talked to a couple of the racers and realized, Hey, I need somebody to move here. So, because I just <laughs> ran over everything they had, it hit the tree, but I couldn't get to it. I probably ought to get out of here. Yeah, I need to go. Um, really need to go. So, <laughs> got a racer to move out of one of the staging lanes. He exited the facility, and that was, again, between 10 and 15 years ago, and he has not been welcomed back since. He is banned from the facility for life, and... He feels like he earned it, and he's happy with his decision. So he got his money's worth. S- said racer, "What happened, man? It it just got away from me." <laughs> yeah, yeah nah, I forgot about that. Part. <laughs> he he did. He was asked what happened. He said it it just got away from me. So, and uh, he he said he would have hit the tree again, but he couldn't get to it. Said so they had it guarded too dang well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's racial confidential for me this week and that is a true story and it is a, it's a classic yeah i can vouch for that one all right share yours again racer confidential series let us know give us something we can not have to prep for and just read verbatim on the podcast that sounds like fun to us it sounds entertaining to you everybody wins man what a fun show luke it was uh we had Nick Duty on. We had uh, a lot of results and talked about a lot of great things in racing. So Racer Confidential was fun. But unfortunately, it's coming to a close. This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is finishing up. want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular, uh, the Great American Bracket Race, and the All-State Challenge. Uh, the fine folks at BTE, and this is Bracket Racing Elite, and definitely want to say thanks to our man Nick Duty for joining us and uh, and putting on a giving us a great interview that uh, had a really special story in it. So we appreciate Nick as well. And Luke, it is shout out time. Yes, I want to shout out Chris Cheney, who was last week's goof. I gotta have one a week, right? Uh, Chris Cheney's from Oklahoma. Said he was from Kansas last week. Sorry, Chris. <clears throat> Good job, by the way. You're killing it. Nice work. Uh, shout out to Larry Zebra, crew chief of the year. Shout out to J.R. Loebner. <laughs> so you see what I did there? Shout out <laughs> to J.R. Loebner. Shout out to Junior Lobner. Shout out to Ross Larice. Shout out to Russ Laris. Shout out to the freight train Vega. And race cars with names everywhere. We do not see enough of that. That, no. by the way, is Papa Producer Mark. <laughs> Frank Romeo's Vega, the freight train. Shout out to Will Billy, Will Carroll. <laughs> Shout out to Nick Duty, of course. Shout out to Travis Cannon for the converter. Shout out to my Dirty Harry reference. All of you younger than me have no idea what I was talking about. Shout out to Small Track USA. And if you're wondering, if you think, <laughs> I've heard that term before, Small Track USA, from I think one of Luke's stories. Yes, that is the same Small Track USA. <laughs> Been there twice, was there for my story, and was there for this Racer Confidential. I think I've been there for the greatest two days in the history of Small Track USA. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, shout out to Racer X in the story, and shout out to anybody and everybody that helped the track promoter put his floodlights back out 
and to the center of the racetrack to finish that night's racing. Shout uh, out to said racer, absolutely. <laughs> guys, be sure to tell us what you think. Uh, send us a message on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. And I want to interge- intervene or interject here. Y'all are not doing Do both of this. them. Do it all. Yeah. You're not doing it. You're not doing enough here. I mean, uh, send us when we ask you to send us stuff. Let us know what you're thinking. Show ideas. Uh, what we did right. What we did wrong. Reach out to us. Help us make this a better show for not only you but all of the listeners and future listeners that will be coming our way. So it's a good point, Jed. We want to make this show better, and we're not that creative. <laughs> we want to give you what you want. Uh, again, you can message us on our Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself right there on the Twitter. And Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, who don't know how to spell that by now. And I am at JP11X. Awesome show. We appreciate each and every one of you listening, and we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter, mm, torque converter, a converter. Mm, I might have to. I might have to get me one of them. Yeah, been a little while since I jacked one up. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>